0: It's time to stop swinging at junk pitches and listen to the career bitches. Your resident career bitches. Your Girls Friday for advice, amazingly useful and amusing banter for anything and almost everything related to your career. They cut through the bullshit and all the workplace drama. Now give it up for these mamas. Yeah, 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 Hey, welcome back to Career Bitches.
1: Where you want to be every week. Here we Absolutely. are. Absolutely.
0: Here we are. Right here. Ready to bitch with you. But um, it's our last episode of season three. Of this people. Season. Of the yeah. season. Not forever. Not forever. Don't, Not you forever. Know, No panic. Please don't we'll panic. We'll
1: be back. And we have excellent ideas for next season already, so you won't want to miss it.
0: We absolutely do, because that's how we roll. And um,
1: I know that a lot of people have commented um, that they've enjoyed some of, like, the the behind-the-scenes type episodes, so today we're actually going to talk a little more personally about our job search experiences between us, um, mm-hmm. but we'll infuse some of that next season as well.
0: Yeah. And we'll 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 share some thoughts about um where we're gonna start season four at the end of this episode. We're gonna make you wait.
1: Yep. All good things you must wait for.
0: <laughs>
1: just kidding. That's terrible advice. <laughs> I just said that because everyone gives that advice.
0: <laughs> so let's start our pitch. Jamaica. Yeah. Let's do it. We have a good bitch and I'm sure, and this kind of leads into what we're going to talk about, which is, um, you know, all the jobs, Marcel and I have applied to you over the years and all the crazy shit we've done over the years, but something I've noticed recently, and I'm sure anyone listening who has applied for a job in the past, you know, year has seen this as well, job applications that want you to upload resume, attach a resume, attach a cover letter, sometimes transcripts, you know, whatever the requirements are, but then it also wants you to fill in their form with your, with the information in the resume that you literally just fucking attached. And it makes you wonder, uh, why do I have to do both? (laughs) Why can't you just read the attachment that I just gave you that has all of that same information in a format? maybe it's a different format it probably is but um that's 100% bullshit it is that's yeah
1: and too many applicant tracking software systems work this way and i think that's why a lot of companies build their own but mm. obviously they're still not successful because they still ask you to fill out a separate form or some of them will parse the resume or you know enter your resume data that it can read in certain fields, and then it's not complete, or the information ends up in the wrong field, and you have to redo it and edit it, which is a total waste of your time. So I agree with you, and um I know we were talking about this earlier before we started recording, but it is true that when this happens, you're not going to get all the applicants applying that you could have because they're just gonna get frustrated and decide, look, I'm not gonna deal with this crap, forget it.
0: Yeah, and people do that because it's, look, if you have more than like two jobs on your resume, it's gonna, it takes hours, I've done it. And you know what, nothing good has ever come of any of those applications where I had to use their dumb form. Or some recently saw a job Pretty sure it was a federal job, but not through it wasn't through USA jobs. They had their own website and their own form. And they didn't even allow you to upload a resume. You had to build a resume in their system, in their very specific fucked up system. And no one's look, no one's gonna do that. They're gonna get, you know, the one person who has five hours to spend applying. And that seems like a dumb. Way to filter out candidates because the smart people are going to say, like, no way, I've got better things to do with five hours. I'm not exaggerating. It will, it takes, I mean, I'm sure many of you know, it takes forever.
1: Yeah. And that's, it's crazy. And I think you're, and you're obviously probably getting either underqualified candidates or very desperate candidates who are willing to spend. That amount of time, so it's probably not your best candidate pool, unfortunately. I mean, maybe sometimes it is. I probably would spend that amount of time in the early days, but mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, it's ridiculous, and I feel like it's kind of like with college applications, right? You have the common application that more and more schools have decided to use over the years. How come you don't have something like that with applying for jobs? Why isn't there like a common application? Um, You know, I, I don't know. I've asked myself many, many times. There's probably a way to do that. And yeah, all of your companies are different and your industries and the roles, but I do feel like there's something to it where you could submit certain information just to screen qualifications. Mm -hmm. And then the rest you can do in a different format, like right. you know, like a writing sample or a project or something like that that's applicable to that job. But otherwise let people use some kind of common application.
0: I think like law school applications finally became standardized, for example, like if people if you know industries wanted to look for something that already exists because it used to be that every single law school application was like its own separate thing and you had to redo it. And like, if you've applied to law school, you know, you don't just apply to two, you apply to like 30, right? Because you just don't know what they're looking for, how many people they want to bring in from like different like majors, different. Anyway, eventually they standardized it and made it like a ton easier to apply to you know, you only have to do it once and then you can apply to as many as you want. So I think there's there's definitely got to be space for that now because what is happening now is the fucking wild west of like ATS stuff.
1: Yeah. And it's been years like that mm-hmm. and nothing's changed. So yeah, yeah. It's I don't really want to tackle that problem, but maybe somebody else.
0: Someone else should definitely tackle that problem for us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. we're not it people we're not tech people I mean we know enough about it but like we're not we are not the people you want solving this problem no
1: unless you're a developer and you're listening to this and you want to work with us then we can talk then yeah
0: we'll the tell call. you what we'll tell you what you need to do we just don't have the technical know-how I mean unless you have some secret skill set, I don't know about myself but I, I do not have the technical know-how to solve that problem
1: Now I have some family members that do though. So maybe one day we'll surprise Mm -hmm. you all come up with something. Um, but that reminds me actually of, of one job application that I did years ago where in the interview, this person was super awkward and definitely ended up being practically a psycho that I like ran away from when I saw them years later, but I go to the interview and they're like, yeah, well, we're just interviewing a couple of people because so many people left off their contact information on the form. So speaking of filling in these stupid forms, Mm -hmm. literally people would have their name, I think, but no phone number, no email and no way to be contacted because of the way their dumb form was set up. People probably missed it, but they are blaming the candidates, which I thought was funny, but it also didn't make me feel very good because it was kind of like, well, the only reason you're in here is because you included your phone number. Um, But it does tell you the importance of including your contact information. So if you are filling out a form, put in your contact information and double check that it's there.
0: And if there's not a place for it, like find a place to put it, like anywhere would be good. But yeah, it's frustrating when you can't, you need to make it easy for people to find how to reach you like really easy. If I have to look for more than like five seconds, I'm like, fuck it. I can't, I don't have time for this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we started adding to cover letters, even like a mention at the end of your email and your phone number to make Mm -hmm. it even easier for them to get in touch. So they're not having to search back through to the resume or to all different documents and a header, Mm and all this bullshit to find you. Yeah. Um,
0: on the other hand
1: though, you include all that contact information, and then they're still not willing to like follow up when you interview to right, give you the right. news of whether you got it or not.
0: Right now, there's no winning here. For that, there's no. <laughs> very little, very few times when the the applicant is the winner of these processes.
1: No, it's like a boxing match with HR. Oh my gosh, HR. and you know that happened to me once too. When so in my twenties overseas. um, Soon after college, I was trying to find a new job after an internship and interviewed with a fairly large uh, multinational company there in the branch office. And um, the role that was explained to me was like executive assistant, but it was sort of like a special projects, you know, like not a secretary but like that you would get to work on all kinds of stuff more like a chief of staff kind of a role and I was young but I was like wow that'd be super cool and like you know this is a great company to have on my resume well when I went into interview they basically described a totally different job which I know has happened to many of our clients and probably you and and uh It was definitely a secretary role. So I can't even imagine what my face looked like when they were describing it to me. Then they sat me down to do a test of like how I use Word and Excel and Mm -hmm. and write an email. And I was like, hell no, this is like not what I signed up for. To top it off, the... A guy who I would have been working for was smoking a cigar in his office and it smelled nasty. And I'm like, how do they think they're going to attract somebody for this job? Like this sucks. And I, to this day, I wonder who took this job, but right. Like don't mislead people. If you advertise for a certain job and then don't inform somebody that it's totally different than the one you've invited them to interview for. hmm Go to hell! Like, just don't <laughs> do that. Don't do that. I, in fact, one of our clients had to it reminds me as well. Like, went in, interviewed. It was a totally different job. Again, walked out, and then had to call them back and be like, "I think you interviewed me for the wrong position." And true <laughs> enough, like they did. They were asking them questions. They were really confused. Like, why is why are they here for this job? So freaking you know, I don't know, get your shit together.
0: Yeah. I mean, we love to shit on HR. It's true. There are good HR reps out there. There probably are a lot of really good HR reps out there. Um, they, you know, a lot of them care deeply about what they do and the people that they work with, but goddamn, like when you get a bad one, like it makes your life a living hell. It's, it's terrible. So I and mean,
1: it's not uh, only the HR people, right? I mean, that's a good point. Right. Thank you for saying something nice cuz I should be nice. But <laughs> you know, that's why there's two of us so one of us can <laughs> check the other one um on true. our comments. But you know, I've even had like in a smaller organization I had one interview where um there wasn't an HR department so I think it was the hiring manager
0: and again,
1: and this was in the US, I was sat down to do an Excel test. I don't know if I've talked about this before.
0: And they were- You did a lot of tests, Marcel. Yeah,
1: they don't trust me. (laughs) And I hate (laughs) tests. Can I just point out, I have never enjoyed tests. I get very anxious. I don't do well on standardized tests. Same. Yeah, okay. So like, this is not what you want to do for me. Like I could show you other skills. Don't Mm -hmm. give me a standardized test. Right. I sit down for this Excel thing and i don't even think like that was the whole job right it wasn't something where you'd be using it all the time every day but they give it to me and the list of tasks that i had to do in the tab were things i had never in my life heard of and my first thought was like okay why am i being tested on this like i could google this or i could ask somebody how to do this if i don't know like this should not determine my viability for this job right like Mm -hmm. it should be comprised of other things and there was a presentation like a you know sort of a project they gave you at the last minute you had to come up within 15 minutes bullshit fine that makes more sense to me but the fact of course I bombed the excel thing because I thought it was stupid and I just sat there probably for 10 minutes thinking this is so fucking stupid like why am I sitting here Taking this test. Do I want this job? This is so boring. And if I am required to know this stuff and that's what they value, I don't want to work for these people.
0: Yeah, you definitely failed that test. Because if failed you're having any of those thoughts, like,
1: <laughs> oh, your like, presentation was really good, but they didn't care. See? So, anyway, it just shows you again how silly hiring processes can be. Even when you do get in the door, it doesn't mean that you're going to like what you find on the other side.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you're ever at a point in your job or in in the hiring process where you are having an existential crisis, like with an Excel spreadsheet, you should just like, clearly that is not the space for you.
1: And that one I didn't walk out of, but I did walk out of the other one overseas. I just nice. told them, this is not for me. I'm not mm-hmm. going to continue. And they were shocked, but I was like, this is a waste of my time. For some reason, I didn't walk out of the Excel one. I thought I could redeem myself with the presentation. Um, But in hindsight, I should have walked out of that one. Um, But then, you know, the offers that I did get sometimes were super sketchy. Um, Like I remember one was a very small company. I have no idea anymore what the name was. Couldn't really understand what the company did. Um, and This was in the U.S., but... Yeah, there was just something that felt like super wrong. And of course I got that offer and I was like, "Uh, I don't, I really need a job, but I don't think I can take this. So you do need to be careful. You know, I think so often we think we're like, it's like a privilege to interview and that we've Mm. been invited for that or given a job offer, but you really need to check out what's going on.
0: It's nice to feel wanted. It is. I like I like being the, the in the position of being able to say no and reject the offer or say no to the interview. I mean, I'm unfortunately I'm so curious, so I'll I will generally like if someone asks me to interview even if I don't care about the job at all, I'll say yes just for fun or just for practice. You know, get more comfortable. It's always and you I don't know. I think there's always a chance to have like a learning moment with yourself because If you have, I had an interview once with a very, um, like stern looking panel of people like over zoom, like no one laughed at my jokes. Like no one was fun, but it was like, it was, it was uncomfortable. Like just sitting there was uncomfortable. So I kind of made, you know, turned it into a game for myself. Like, who can I get to smile first? Because I just, I refuse to take shit that seriously. Unless you're interviewing for, I don't know, like the secret service. That's probably like a no laugh sitch, but I don't want to do that.
1: Yeah. No, that doesn't sound for us. No, I don't think so. I don't
0: Mm -mm. think so. No,
1: but that's, no, that's a, that is a good point that you can kind of turn it into a game. I like that idea. Because there's
0: nothing to lose. You don't want the job. So like, see what happens it's kind of a fun social experiment if you're into that and I obviously am very into that.
1: yes of course you're a comms person
0: <laughs> as we
1: like to point out so yeah, yeah I think like though no, I think the game is a great idea mm-hmm. um and I've been in a situation where speaking of an uncomfortable situation where these two people were interviewing me um and, they clearly made a dig at the company that i currently worked for like the clients that we had or something insulted them but it was sort of like i couldn't believe that it was happening and so i kind of just let it go and told myself that didn't actually happen but then when i thought about it later i was like that did that did happen they totally did that then i thought to myself Why did they even invite me to interview if they knew that they didn't, again, value my experience and Mm -hmm. expertise? And so that was ridiculous because you're like, they all complain about how little time they have and how much time the hiring process takes, blah, blah, blah. So why even invite? I don't know. I don't know. So I should have walked out of that one too. Now looking back.
0: I've definitely walked out of, I don't, have I ever walked out of a job interview? I don't think I, I don't think I have, but I've definitely walked out of dates, like within like five minutes and been like, you know what, this is not, this is not going to happen.
1: But did you do it like
0: quiet quitting or did you do it? No, I was like, I was like, look. This is not going to happen. I I'm okay, going to go. Yeah. Well, at least you are. <laughs> I don't honest, have time for this just disappear and no, there. No. No, I wouldn't do that. Like that's no fun. It was it's satisfying to like tell someone like this is not there's this is not happening. I'm going to go. It's empowering. Felt good. This was after after I had been in a terrible marriage for 16 years and then was dating and I I was like I'm 42 at the time. I'm 42. Like, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to pretend anymore. I'm just going to say what I think and do what I want because I fucking earned it. So.
1: Did anyone try to convince you not to walk
0: out? No, I don't know. No, but that would have been interesting. That would have been interesting. Yeah. No one was like, what, but wait, give me a chance. No, there was none of that. I think I'm like, I, I was pretty, there was like little wiggle room. In my statement, it wasn't. There was no equivocating happening. So, no one wants to feel.
1: No, I agree. But then there could be people who kind of want to play that game, like we were just talking about, where it's like, let me see if I can get her to stay. Hmm. Yeah. No one one tried to to stay. (laughs) Good, because those people would have been terribly. That would have been
0: creepy and even worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would have been a little creepy. There Um, was one.
1: Speaking of dating,
0: <laughs> I, I always comes back to dating. I don't know. job. Hunting I know you just keep like mentioned dating. dating
1: like the last five episodes. Um, so now I have to tell one of those stories, too. But I did go on a date once with this very nice person in college, uh, because as most of you might already know, I've been with my husband since uh, junior year of college. It's a long time right Bless now. Bless your heart. Thank you. <laughs> um, this date was so awkward because within speaking of five minutes literally within 10 minutes five to 10 minutes um he asked me if I'd ever been in love before interesting and I'm like you know maybe that's okay when you are 42 but when you're 19 I'm not sure that's what you want to open with on a first date <laughs> So that's That's a weird advice for
0: the day. Yeah. That's a weird question. I mean, I think I bring it up a lot because I've done it so recently and I was like a grown woman and it's just different. So I apologize to everyone, but you listen and you get my stories. What I was going to, so Marcel and I were talking about like all the, all the jobs we've applied for all the crazy stuff. And I, as we were talking just now, I remembered a job that I applied for. That I totally bombed because I just had, I was very naive and I had no idea what I was walking into and I failed miserably. Thank God I did, because I never would have done like someone had to explain it to me, like why it didn't go well. And I said, Oh shit. Okay. And I'll tell you the story. So I just moved, I'd spent four years in the Marine Corps. I was tran I transferred my junior year to NYU to finish my bachelor's degree. I had two years at community college in San Diego. So I was like 22 years old, young, super young. I mean, even though I was, you know, I had been an active duty Marine for four years, like in a lot of ways, I was still pretty sheltered and like, didn't understand the world at all. Um, But I grew up in San Diego. Right. And so I like flew across the country and moved to New York City which is kind of a big change. And I was bart gonna I was interviewing I was trying to find a bartending gig because you know as one does in college like that's a good thing to do. I interviewed at this bar in the meatpacking district and it was like a cool like at the time this was like 2003 at the time like a well-known place but I didn't know like I didn't know that right I was just applying to every every open bartending gig so I go in and I'm like interviewing and like you know like I have like a like a nice outfit on like not a suit per se but like definitely like a like a a business cash like you know like something that would have been appropriate like for an office position or like a law office, anything, like literally anything else, but the guy was very nice and he, like we spoke for like five minutes and he was like, yeah, I don't think this is the job for you. And I told some friends about it later and they were like, girl, you were supposed to get up on that bar and like take off your shirt and start dance, Like it was one of those bartending gigs. And I was so embarrassed. Like I had, I had no idea. Like, that was the expectation. Not that I would have done it. But it was like, thinking back on it, this guy that interviewed me must have been like, who is this girl? Like, why is she here? She's clearly not going to jump and start dancing on this bar.
1: Yeah, he probably is like former Marine.
0: I don't know about this. I still think about that. That is so crazy. But yeah, I had no idea.
1: No idea, and but he didn't allude to it either. Someone else had to tell you.
0: I, I think that's the kind of thing. Like you either know what you're supposed to do or you don't. <laughs> but you can't like ask someone to do that because that is creepy.
1: Yeah. Now here's the part where you jump on the bar and take your clothes off.
0: Right. No, yeah. No, perfect. you can't. You either someone either knows to do that or like oh, that's, that's part of the that's part of the interview, right? Like you yeah, know they're supposed you're to put on a show. Yeah. No. That's for anyone who knows me. I'm like the least likely, least likely to do anything like that.
1: So did you apply to more bartending games <laughs> after that? Or did that I did you for a life?
0: No, it it didn't because I was so, like I said, I was so clueless. It didn't That's good. it didn't occur to me that why I had fucked up that interview. But I did end up getting an amazing bartending job um, at this bistro on the Upper East Side, um, owned by a family who lived on Long Island, their, their son was the head chef and he had been in a terrible motorcycle accident in Italy and he was paralyzed from the waist down and in a wheelchair. So they built out this restaurant kitchen, all accessible for him. There were ramps everywhere. There were like workstations that were at a height that he could use. Um, And it was, it was like, I, I worked behind a very nice, like old fashioned bar. Like we had live jazz on Fridays. Like I met famous people and like this family just like took me in and looked out for me. The, um, the, the mom, Clara, she, um, she would take me for bagels after work at like 1am and we get like bagels right out of the, um, right out of the oven and we'd put um cream cheese and grape jelly on these hot hot bagels and i'm telling you eating that bagel on the train back to my apartment like after a long shift was magical that's such a cool story yeah she called my mom once and was like don't worry i'm taking care of your daughter since since i'm here and you're not <laughs> it was so cute that's
1: that, amazing
0: they were they were such a lovely family. I had such a good, I loved working there. Unfortunately, the restaurant closed for good um, right before I left New York. And I like, I cried real tears. Like it was sad. It was the the food was amazing. And the chef, the kitchen staff was amazing. They would, we did family dinner every night um, and they would take requests. They would always make me what I wanted. Wow. They were all from Uganda, and now I'm, like, to this day, like, desperate to go because everyone was so, so lovely.
1: What a cool story and memory, you know, like, especially early in your career to have something like that.
0: But that's the only time I did it, and I I loved it.
1: Yeah, I just, my only attempt at getting a waitressing job is I think I aimed too high, even though it was New Hampshire. I have to say that. It was New Hampshire people. But I like during a summer in high school, I was desperate to find a job. And um, I mean, every summer, let's be honest, I always (laughs) had a bank account since I was very little and wanted to earn my own money. So um, I went to this restaurant to interview and it was actually really offended that they rejected (laughs) me because I was like, I could be a hostess or something, even though I was young. You know, I was old enough to work obviously legally, but, um, yeah, I never got a like clear answer on why they never called me back, of course. But after that, I think it turned me off. And so Mm -hmm. I went into retail instead and I worked at Bed Bath and beyond, but it was called something else back then, or at least in New Hampshire. Um, and that was actually kind of a fun job. I mean, a lot of it is folding towels, but I got to also like design some of the displays in the store. After yeah. a while, the manager trusted me to do that. Um, but you know, retail's hard. It's okay when you're young to like stay open, you know, close the store late or be on your feet all day. But man, that's tough stuff.
0: I worked one exactly one retail job, and I said never a fucking again. It was terrible. It was like one of those discount like overstock clothing stores. And it was like there were never enough people, you know, to re refold or like reset or rehang. It was just, it was like constantly firefighting. It was such a disaster. I hated that job. And my boss was terrible and mean. So I never did that again. I was like, I'll do anything. Other than that, I think I would have been a good, I never was a waitress. I never was a server. Yeah. You would have been a good waitress. I think I would, because I like talking to people and I, I won't remember your name, but I remember your face. I'll know exactly what you ordered. Like, I can still tell you all of the, all of my regulars, like what their, what their drink order was. Wow.
1: Yeah. You'd be good at that.
0: But yeah, don't ask me to tell, I, I can't remember any of their names, not a single one. (laughs)
1: that's okay just being recognized I think is what matters
0: yeah that's why I'd be a terrible politician because I cannot remember your name and also I'm too honest me too I
1: have a lot of thoughts on that
0: maybe that could be an episode right 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 all right let's see um should we wrap with like our absolute like favorite or like weirdest job like most random job ever?
1: Well, I'm trying to think. Do you have something that comes to mind?
0: Because I've done so much stuff.
1: Yeah, you've done a lot, I think, more than I have. I'm just trying to think from the time I was young and on.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think I've mentioned that my very first job was at a movie theater and I Mm -hmm. ran the projection room, let's see. But so after I got my law degree and I had been practicing and then um, I had kids and my ex joined the foreign service. And so we went abroad and I couldn't, like for a long time, I had just been a stay-at-home parent um, because someone had to parent, someone had to take care of children. So that was me. And um, I, you know, suddenly the kids were like both in school, they were in the French school in Jerusalem. And I was like, I, I don't want to just sit at home all day or like get my nails done or whatever people do. Also, that kind of thing was just not available in Jerusalem like that's not a place where you can like go to a spa and like get a massage it's ladies anyway. lunch. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean I did go to lunch with my with my girlfriends one was oh, the wife of the ambassador to the UK that's and cool. she was cool she was French and then cool. my other bestie was um Palestinian and she and her husband owned a restaurant in Bethlehem and nice. I'm still friends I'm still friends with both of those ladies by the way but we would do lunch and get wine and cheese and stuff. Say lunch is good. Mm-hmm. Lunch is good. But um I wanted to work and like start building up my resume again. I ended up getting a job. This now, this was a volunteer job, mind you. But as we have often said, it doesn't matter. And don't put that, don't put that it's unpaid. Um, but I was a I was a program manager for a nonprofit um called the Aniki Foundation. And what I did was, so this nonprofit would essentially be the middleman to coordinate um, not other nonprofits all over the world who wanted to do good works in Africa, and so I, the project, while I was volunteering there, the project, the specific project that I managed, I worked with this um, bicyclist group in the Netherlands who were coming to Western Africa, um, like Malawi, and taking like a like a two-week bike trip up the coast of Western Africa and delivering school supplies as they went. Now think about the logistics of that. I had to use translators for the the bicyclist group because they didn't speak English very well and I definitely didn't speak any of their languages. I was able to speak to people on the ground in Africa because a lot of them spoke French. So that was helpful. But, um, you know, the logistics of like, how do you get the bicycles from the Netherlands to Africa? Like yeah. who is, you need You need a van to follow them in case there is injury or you need to repair something or someone gets a flat. You need tents for the places that don't have housing you need water, you need food, you need, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So I did that for several years. Um, And it was, it was a really, it was successful. It was fun. It was challenging. But yeah, that's probably like the most random job. And I've never done that kind of work ever again, for whatever reason.
1: That
0: is really cool. But I liked it. It was satisfying because they You know, they sent us pictures from the trip that I had helped to make happen. And, you know, all the, you know, we had, we ordered, we, we actually ordered supplies, school supplies from local businesses in Africa that they could pick up so that we were also contributing to the local economy, right. With funds that this group from the Netherlands had raised. So it was like, kind of like all around, like feel good, feel good work.
1: That's really cool. I didn't know that. See, I'm always learning new things about you. <laughs> um, and I I kind of have along those lines in what I thought I would end up doing and a lot of the applications that you would find on my computer, if you thought, would be <laughs> for these types of jobs is international education. Because I had an internship right before senior year in college in D.C. Um, at a place called World Learning although it wasn't world learning then, it was this place that was, was bought by it very soon after. And I loved that job. Um, and I have to say, I think it was because we were bringing professionals from other countries, like various other countries at one time together for like a program in the U.S. to learn about different things. And one actually was about urban development and we took them to Baltimore and went around to different neighborhoods and met with different people. And that was a really cool job and something that I think that I would have continued if I didn't end up going overseas right after Mm -hmm. college um, to improve my language skills. So sometimes I wonder what would have happened because I tried to get back into that field and it just never happened. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. Um, but the people I worked with there were amazing. It was like, Pretty laid back, but also like smart, serious people at the same time, even though you mm-hmm. get in at like 10 o'clock in the morning. It was a pretty awesome setup. Um so that's something I've always thought, speaking of program management, that I would have really liked to have done. Um, and then yeah, I think that's that's probably the best example of something I've really liked, but don't talk about that much.
0: Hmm. Cool. Yeah.
1: So I guess here we are at the end mm-hmm. of season three Wow. and um, it's been good.
0: It's been great it's
1: been great. <laughs> uh, and I think our, our plan for next season is to open with a reprise of our husbands coming on to the show because we've gotten a lot of positive com- comments about
0: that. So People seem to like them. I don't get it, but you know. <laughs>
1: I don't know what it is, but apparently they were very intriguing. So we'll bring them back.
0: We'll bring them back. For another
1: episode.
0: Sure. See what they have to say. They've agreed. They've said yes, yes, as they wisely agreed to come back on the show. So we will welcome Seth and Joe um, to open season four. Yeah. And we'll, uh, until then, please catch up with all the episodes that you may have missed. There's a lot of good stuff in here. I I thought we had a really great season. I'm super happy with all of the guests that we have on. Lots, so much good information and different perspectives, different from ours, which is always, that's a good thing.
1: Exactly. And speaking of Seth, he listens to every episode. And I have to say that means something.
0: Is he paying attention? He's
1: very discerning, but I think he will, when he hears this, he will know what I'm talking about. So,
0: did he appreciate the thanks that I bestowed upon him?
1: I am not sure he's listened to that one yet, but I <laughs> gave him a heads up that there's going to be some good content in there for mm-hmm. him. So, okay. I'll let you know. Um, but yeah, definitely listen. And if you really miss us, you can also sign up for our newsletter and get weekly career advice uh, from our website, careervalley.com, until we come back at you with a new season.
0: Awesome. Well, see you all next time. Take care. Ciao. The Career Bitches are eternally grateful to our producer Joe Tropea at Haricobert Films based in beautiful Baltimore City for his bullshit-free feedback and constant support. We would also like to thank Micro Kingdom for their musical genius and providing our theme music. You can check out more of their extra cognitive spiritual magnetism at microkingdom.com. A new episode of Career Bitches drops every Monday morning to start your work week. And you can listen to us bitch on demand on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you find your podcasts.